0: Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the happy scientist podcast each episode is designed to make you more focused more productive and more satisfied in the lab you can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist your hosts are kenneth vote founder of the executive coaching firm vera claritas and dr nick oswald phd bioscientist and founder bite size bio
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Happy Scientist podcast. This is the place to be if you want to be a happier, healthier, and more productive scientist. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com, and today we will be drawing on the wisdom of Mr. Kenneth Vogt, uh, Bitesize Bio's Mr. Miyagi, and founder of the executive mentoring company Vera Claritas. Today, and in all of the other Happy Scientist podcast episodes, you get to benefit from Ken's wisdom and chi to help you increase your performance, enjoyment, and success in the lab. Today's episode is an interesting one. So we scientists tend to look, tend to get stuck in the idea that science can explain everything, when in reality, it's just one way to look at the world. So today, we'll be opening that up and exploring what science can learn from other disciplines.
2: Okay, Ken, take it away. All right, well, I'm stirred by that introduction. <laughs> the chief. And, and in fact, I was thinking, you know, something you just said, that science tends to look to science for its answers, but I don't even know if that's true. I think scientists tend to look to their own branch of science for answers. You know, so, you know, the point is, is that if you can change your outlook on this and start looking and you know, to to cast a wider net for where can you draw other ideas from, you're gonna realize there is a there is a rich world out there. There's a lot of opportunity for things that will that will improve your science. Now, it may in some cases it may actually improve the science itself, but in other cases, it's gonna it's gonna improve the the structure and the, you know, the infrastructure that is supporting your science. And, you know, you can't, you can't ignore that either. It's, that's also important. And if you're, if, if you become aware of other things that have already been done and are already working, that have a proven track record, I mean, that's about as scientific approach as there is. (laughs) The, these, are, these are hypotheses that have been formulated and tested and proven. Well, why not implement them in the scientific realm as well um, and, and get the benefit from that? And I, I want to start off in, in what I think is probably the easiest place to look because it's a place you're already familiar with because you had to spend a lot of time there before you got to the lab. And that's academia and in fact academia has had a lot of influence on science it has a lot of influence on the structure of science and in fact many scientists are still working in academic institutions you know it's that's where the labs are so um so that being the case and i i i gave nick about 30 seconds warning that i was going to really drag him into this one <laughs> um he's nick spent more time in academia than i have so I, I wanna I wanna open up this idea of what what is going on in academia that could be instructive for science. So anything come to mind for you, Nick?
1: <laughs> There's a question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well I didn't spend
2: that much time in
1: academia. So I did my <laughs> I did an undergrad and then I did a PhD and then I was out of academia.
2: You realize everybody doesn't have a PhD. <laughs> Well okay but, <laughs>
1: I, I mean compared to some people listening to this I've spent a lot more well, time in academia true. so they will know uh, a lot more about academia than I do mm-hmm. my um so going what episode do you discuss the spiral dynamics stuff it must somewhere in episode 1 to 9
2: that's that's in, in uh, episodes 4 5 and 6
1: episodes 4 5 and 6 okay so um you know have a look back at that but uh, academia is very much blue or you probably know that anyway uh, it's very structured it's very much about um creating for me anyway my, you know looking at it from the kind of outside in it's about creating structures or, of or silos of knowledge around personalities in a way uh, the personalities being um principal investigators you know the star scientists and then you know the the next layer up being institutions um uh so it, you know, what you can learn from that versus um, or, or it's, I don't know about what you can learn from it, but it's, it's a different mindset, isn't it? All these are, in a way, they're sure. just different mindsets, whereas um, uh, um, in in business, in industry, you could never get away with or it'd be much more difficult to justify chipping away at something to just for the sake of creating knowledge Um you, that wasn't generating an application, for example or wouldn't have any didn't look like it was going to generate an application uh, that you could make profit out of. Uh, in mm-hmm. academia, it's the other way around. you can you, 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 you literally pour hours and brain power and equipment and manpower and and all that stuff, person power into um, into creating silos of knowledge to see how they connect up and then what can come from them application-wise and then that normally you know goes out into industry um so that's i don't know if that's what you you meant but that, that's the way i see the mindset being and the, the distinction being it's about academia is about generating knowledge
2: for the sake and of generating not, knowledge and as you've mentioned you know they they are blue and and by the way if you don't know what we're talking about when we say they're blue Listen to episodes four through six, please. It will all become clear.
1: Basically it just <laughs> means it's very structured and it's about Yeah. It's about blobs.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that structure is beneficial. That that structure has has its upside. And and so sometimes you can you can realize if you look back at how things are organized there that it could give you clues as to how you might want to organize your lab or how you might want to organize your procedures. So you know, so there's advantages to having that kind of that kind of structure that's that's reliable and and regulated and and replicatable. So you well, I mean, another way to
1: look at it is if you are an industry, I know that you know you're tending to go for the projects, especially if you're a smaller company or um, you're tending to go for the things that will make money. You know, because you're right. That's that's the survival. But I know of companies. Um, who allowed things to happen on the side. And, you know, uh, you know, examples of this from outside of, um, you know, not in science, other areas of business, where you allowed people to just tinker for the sake of tinkering. And then stuff came out, really good stuff came out of it. So that's maybe... Google's
2: famous for that.
1: Exactly. So um, that's maybe one lesson from academia to bear in mind, regardless of which... Area of science you're in is that it doesn't all have to be driving towards the goal. Allowing a bit of play at the side can often help, especially if you want to be a groundbreaker. You know, you don't right. just want to churn out the money, sort of thing. Yeah. Now,
2: now that being said, there's a lot to be learned from business, also. Yes. That is applicable in business. In many cases, it's more orange rather than than blue. And when we say orange, we mean that uh, they're they're about ambition. They're about achievement. They're about getting something done, you know, which is a little different than say discovery and discovery is about finding things, but achievement means I don't, I don't care whether you find anything or not. I just got to make sure that something is accomplished by the end of the day. And, and that mindset isn't necessarily bad. It, it In fact, it can drive discovery and, and, and on top of that, it can, it can just drive practical solutions because, you know. A lot of the stuff that, that Bite Size Bio is talking about is we call it basic science. It's you know, it's the fundamentals. The applications come often well beyond fundamentals though. And and that is where money comes in. You know, and money does money does matter, according to Randy Newman. <laughs> it's money that matters. But uh, sometimes we you might look at this and go, I don't wanna I don't wanna corrupt my my lab with that kind of thinking is like, well, it isn't necessarily corrupt. I mean, yet I, I will grant you it could be corrupting, but it doesn't have to be, because there are plenty of businesses out there that are just as altruistic as plenty of labs out there. In fact, there's plenty of labs out there that are less altruistic than some businesses. So, you know, money doesn't automatically corrupt things. You know, the, the, the mis the, the misstatement that, Money is the root of all evil. That's not what it said. It said the love of money is the root of all evil. (laughs) So um, there's a you know it's different. Hmm. It's interesting because it
1: is. uh, The more I look at this, the more that this is just. It's about. It's easy to judge the mindsets of other areas when you're not in them. You know other disciplines when you're not in them, but this is just about it's almost about different viewpoints on the same problem if you like mm-hmm. you know um you, you even just that thing about talking about uh a business being altruistic or a business not being altruistic um a lot of that will depend on whether they're in survival mode or not which is right. can be a function of where they are in their um in their growth you know in their their development you know A startup is very unlikely to be uh, altruistic because they're trying to put all of the power into growing the business, all the money, the power that they have into growing the business. Whereas a business that's huge then has more more uh, scope to be altruistic. Um, But you can't. It's um, it's easy to judge businesses that are not altruistic, and you know when you are like put the cat amongst the pigeons if you're you know for you're. You're sitting in, a, in an academic lab, which has a a bunch of funding that secures it for the next five years, and you can, you know, trying to make a moral um, a moral comparison is not really valid because it's two completely different situations.
2: Exactly, In in some businesses, they're you know their their basic tenant isn't a, a moral argument. Well, like for instance, let's let's talk about let's mention the petroleum industry. A lot of people just hate the petroleum industry. But the fact is, is that petroleum is, was an absolutely critical component for the industrial revolution and everything that exists today. If it hadn't been for petroleum, we wouldn't have the science we have today. So it's not necessarily all evil, you know. I mean, can it be used wrong? Of course. Can it can it be tone deaf about certain things? Yes, it could be. But it doesn't have to be. And by the way, that's instructive too. When we see when we see failings in other disciplines, there's lessons there you don't have to learn in your discipline. You can you can you can take that lesson and go, wow, let's not go down that road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
1: okay. I'm uh, looking at this list that you have here, and it's looking a bit daunting. We've ta- started with two easy ones already. <laughs>
2: oh, I well, I'm, I still want to break down business a bit because kind of a subset of business is finance. Now, finance is something you're certainly familiar with in the scientific world because, man, it, you know, getting money to do what you do is is a huge part of the job. Unfortunately, <laughs> I say unfortunately, but it's just, but it is what it is, you know, and um, but how how do how do businesses finance themselves and how do they treat finance and how do they manage finance you know that that stuff is just as applicable to your operation you know you run a you know you may run or you may be part of an organization that has a financial structure to it that is just as critical as any other business or any of the nonprofit or any school you know so it still has to be taken into consideration, and you can't say, "Well, you know, we're above that; we don't, we don't mess with that." No, you can't ignore it. It has to be part of what you do, and and having a scientific mind, it's may, you may well find you can do it as well or better than than someone else. You know, you know, one of the things that that I do is when you know I do executive coaching for companies, and I've worked with. A variety of different kinds of companies, and often what's the case is the person who comes to me for assistance is very good at what they do i mean really good outstandingly good at it, but they never run a business before it's so it's a it's a new skill set for them you know it doesn't mean it's a skill set beyond their capability it's not it's not rocket science to run a business, but then again, it's not kindergarten either you know so um so it's worth getting good at parts of business that are touching you. Now this may not be true for everyone who's listening right now. Maybe you know maybe you're you know you're in a new position in a lab, you don't touch the financial part of this at all. It's never it's not part of your world. Okay, that's fine. But for many of you it does touch you. And for many of you if it isn't touching you now, it's going to touch you. So it's not a bad idea to have some familiarity with these things. And it's not hard to get knowledge of these on on these these topics, thank goodness for the internet, and you know there's there's so much free um, information you know that that can get you up to speed pretty quickly. so so not for the mundane stuff you're familiar with. How about psychology? How would psychology be beneficial in science? And I think a lot of scientists would look at that and say, not only is it not beneficial, it is detrimental. To get your head stuck in these willy-nilly notions, and you know, it's some people. You will even argue that psychology is barely a science itself; that it's too soft. But the fact is, it's had a big influence on you know modern society, and certainly, well, I would say, at least Western society, but possibly not just Western society. There's a there's a lot of um, call them important psychologists that that come from the other side. <laughs> And, and to my mind there's two types of psychology that one could could know about one that is professional psychology and popular psychology and you know professional psychology is going to be you know the people that are actually uh, educated and degreed and, and and we're talking about deep thinkers that um, that are well known even to the public you know we've we've all heard of Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung you know that they've been influential in that regard and what they've had to say was extremely influential and a lot of people have built on their work and a lot of the work that they did will impact how you work I mean it talks about how you work it talks about why you're driven to do the work you do it talks about why you have certain blind spots and many of the episodes that we've done in the past are are reminiscent of some of those concepts that and and Many of you have commented about how it's been helpful to you and useful to you. So don't blow it off automatically. It's, it's there. And if you, you know, if you took some psychology classes in the course of getting your education and that, that struck a chord with you, take a look at that again through the lens of how will this help me in the lab? What, is, what will this tell me about what my motivations are and what other people's motivations around me are? Now, if we, we flip over to the pop psychology side, and I think that term pop psychology as opposed to popular psychology, it's meant to be degrading. It's like, ah oh, yeah, this is this is phony psychology, is the argument. But the fact is, is there's a lot of sound foundational tools in pop popular psychology that are useful. You know, and again, we've talked about some of those things in past episodes. And and there are whole books written on just Single concepts, you know and meant to be accessible, meant to be applicable in in your life and in your world well my the argument I'm making now is well look you know, let's make sure you apply them in the lab you know it's 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 like you know we've we've done uh, episodes on on habits, for instance that's one one thing that comes to mind here you know, we probably talked about time management or you know these are these are part of that popular psychological discussion out there that apply, that, that actually matter.
1: And there's a core psychology, again, I, I probably talk about this every second episode. But there's <laughs> a core, there's a core psychology at the heart of science, which is non attachment to the result. Mm, and, yeah. and, you know, you get that bit of psychology wrong, in yourself or in your lab, where you're chasing results, and suddenly it's not science anymore. So there's how fundamental psychology is to science.
2: Well, there you go. <laughs> all right so so, the next area that i I was thinking about was society. Society has a lot of impact uh, on what you could do in science and And I break the the idea of society down into a couple different things, but the the broad point of this is that that what is going on around us in our culture impacts our science, and we've seen cultural impacts on science being be horrifying in the past. I mean, you know, there's been, you know, human experimentation and and um, you know, people people being, you know, science guinea pigs without even their knowledge and, you know, so so some terrible things have happened based on lessons from society. But there are other things about society that are that are very very positive things that that have been truly beneficial and And we don't want to miss those lessons that we want to bring into science. You know, like just looking at society from the standpoint of history, you know, what can we learn from history that will teach us uh, about how to approach science? Um, You know, science used to be, say, uh, basically part of the church. You're like, wow, science and church, aren't those things practically, practically natural enemies? And like, well, no, not really. And um, there was a reason why that was there. You know, back in the day, the the only people who were educated were were the priests. You know, <laughs> and I mean, you can go back way back, and that was that that was literally the only education in society was was the priesthood. Um, so, and I'm not I'm by the way I'm not arguing for that being the way it should be now. I'm just, but I am pointing out that there's there has been a connection there. We and don't lose the benefit of connections of how, what historically science has meant in the past it used to be that being a scientist wasn't a separate thing you were you were always also a scientist you were never exclusively a scientist but we've gotten pretty darn compartmentalized these days and and so there's not as much sharing with other areas of of knowledge for instance other Other parts of society. So the opportunity is there.
0: Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist Podcast and download the Happy Scientist Reference Pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download.
2: Now, another one I thought was interesting when we think about society is politics. And, and of course, there's been a lot of controversy around politics affecting scientific decisions lately. But there's a lot of positive things about politics, too. Politics have driven um, how certain science has developed, you know think about this think about landing on the moon, for instance uh it's also driven well what's important like finding uh, finding a vaccine for polio you know it it became an all in feature, and politics mattered because politics added um it added focus, it added conversation um you know in the population it added possibilities of funding you know there was all kinds of all kinds of parts to this you know and you know, so we want to look at well how can we at least make this be beneficial and and two you know you can look at this from yeah how do we stop this from causing harm because um, the the fact is is that all the controversy about about you know covid science being politicized pointed out some weaknesses in science too you know so uh it, it's it's worth looking at and saying, okay, what do we learn from this? What how can we make this better? And how do we fill the holes that were were uncovered because it got too political? You know, so now I'm not taking a side on on this because I don't even know what the sides are anymore. But <laughs> um but I can say that it's pretty obvious that there's been an impact. And it and it hurt the reputation of science to a certain degree. And among you know the general population started to have some doubts about science. Well, <laughs> that's that's something that needs to be shored up. Yeah, I
1: think that the one good thing um, here is that, uh, or, or one like how can I put this? one kind of lesson here from from the the, the recent struggles with this mm-hmm. is that uh, science has driven. La- I mean, a lot, especially in biology, but all other areas of science as well. Really, you're you're you're. Fundamentally, for for uh, gaining knowledge, but also mm-hmm. th- the the direction of that uh, that effort is generally aimed, mostly aimed at being uh, altruistic. You know, it's mostly aimed at, r- at, at um, solving problems for society to make quality of life better for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, you, there was a there was a a very acute need for that during COVID. Um, mm-hmm. For you know to solve a problem. And you know, so there's a play. There's a play between society and politics. Politics being that, ultimately, the expression of what the people want. Really, so people wanted a, um, a a cure for COVID or a you know something to at least blunt the effect of COVID to help us cope with COVID. And so that gets taken into uh, into politics, and and then it politics is a distortion for, for you know, it always gets distorted because, it you know, it's about controlling narratives and stuff like that. However, yeah. the, the push did come from the people and science did respond. So the, it's almost like the, the lesson is that, again, it's about being a bit more detached, I think, about it's fine for politics to influence science but the science has got to lead. The science right. is a very gentle Fragile instrument that you can cast out and find a direction, but as soon as you squash it with your own ambition, or with or, or your own uh, bias, or your, or a political uh, bias, or even a very strong public need, then then the science becomes you know it gets overrun, it gets crushed, and um, and I th- I think science did relatively well to stand up to that and during COVID. Um, we still managed to get out something that was, um, you know, coherent and did help in the end. Um, but there are certainly lessons about. Uh, for me, it's a lot of it comes back to this: stepping back and allowing science to be science, sure. regardless of the motivations that are that are pushing it.
2: Exactly. So, all right. Well, let, let me let me flip to another notion in society you might not think of that could have lessons for, for the lab. And that's fiction and art. And let's add music to that. Like, well, how would that be useful? Well, let me give you a, a simple example. There was a, there was a book written by somebody named Andy Weir called The Martian. And it was written just on a blog, piece by piece. And people got really excited about it. And a lot of scientists got really excited about it. Because he was going out of his way to try to be as scientific as possible in what he wrote, well, that turned into a movie with Matt Damon as the star, and you know, and and it was a it was a fascinating book, and that, of course, is creating, or you know, creating or has been part of the creation of this drive to go to Mars. You know, that's a that's a that's a huge deal. You know, and and so many different areas of science are impacted by that. Now it's on top of that, I happen to be reading another book by Andy where um, it's called Hail Mary. That was, well, I won't go into the whole story, but there's a lot of biology in it. It's a science fiction book. And um, you know, the the Martian was renowned for being pretty, pretty scientifically accurate. And he, he went and he got a lot of, uh, a lot of help with that because the the author himself is not a scientist but the the main character in hail mary is a biologist a biologist that was sent to outer space so it's it's pretty amazing but the but the 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 point being is that it's getting this into people's heads and people are reading this and getting interested in the science and and you know kids are reading this and getting interested in being scientists and and it's pointing to to uh, problems that may need to be solved, you know we don't. Maybe we don't have them today, but we're going to have them. So you know, fiction and art and music talk about problems or potential problems, and sometimes they're just fantasies, but they're fantasies that are are credible fantasies. They they could happen, and part of what science can do is to hit off problems, and so it's uh, you know it's beautiful that there's some that there are people out there positing these potential problems because it, it just it's just creating something in the zeitgeist something else for us to think about and then the the last area well the, well what,
1: what you what take said. from that is 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 imagination yeah it's the sure. power of imagination in your own work it's well. right you know you you cast out stuff uh, you cast out ideas wild ideas and then suddenly you, it opens up your mind to uh, to the possibilities,
2: right? And well, you know, truth is stranger than fiction too. <laughs> As I bet you, many many of you scientists can point out to that. You know, you you've had that experience where you've you've came across something, and you go, wow, that's just nuts. Nobody would believe this if I didn't have all this data to prove it. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, again, and it also goes back to the 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 idea of allowing yourself to daydream. You know, like to just daydream about you know what are the mm-hmm. What are the possible directions here? What are the possible solutions? But the, I mean, as a scientist, you know that lateral thinking and um, you know things like that can can really help you. And that's just you know that is a basically a facet of imagination. So yeah, I like that. That's a what can you learn from art? Imagine more. Give yourself time to imagine. Don't just get get your head out of the out of the you know the lab book and 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 let your imagination run.
2: Yeah. And, and if, you, you know, so, you know, fiction and other fictional things can be a starter point for that. Um, but those are all made up. But what about folk wisdom? You know, there, there are plenty of things out there that, that people have been operating on for a while. And, and there's something to it. And, and in many cases, it hasn't been scientifically investigated. Um, and, of course, a lot of, lot of, lot of drugs have, have come out of that kind of investigation. You know, we have heart medications thanks to digitalis. You know, because uh, somebody somebody figured out a long time ago that 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 plant had an impact on you, and you know there are many plants that have impacts. You know, so so much of our so much of our uh, medicine chest has been drawn from the rainforest. You know, because and people have already figured this stuff out. You know, the ancient societies. And sometimes it's it's not just about not just about medicine. It's about uh, about methods uh, and approaches to life that have, you know, become you know colloquial sayings and things. Well, it's worth looking at that and saying, well, how do I apply this, or is there an application here for this? And I I've noticed that often in in my consulting practice, I've I've found that popular sayings or you know folk wisdom come in all the time because you see there, there here's an here's a situation where it matters where it applies and that memory of that thing it makes it an easy handle for somebody to grasp like oh, I've heard that before you know a stitch in time saves nine you know why does that matter oh yeah oh yeah if I if I plan ahead I do better you know <laughs> If I, if I watch for mistakes in advance, I can hit them off, you know, so th- there's plenty of opportunity there to make an application to how you operate your lab, how you operate your experiments, how you plan, how you structure things, um, how you, how you implement safety protocols. Um, I mean, there's just, it goes deep and a lot of the stuff is already built into you. We've all got that cuz you know it just comes up from growing up in society and being in families we have things we brought forward but let's use that you know there's that thing that grandma said you know maybe your grandma said it and mine didn't so if you don't bring it to if you don't bring it to the lab how's it going to get there you know <laughs> so you know we have a certain obligation to take our life experience and bring it forward into the lab so the, the last area I was thinking about is philosophy. And I and I know for a lot of folks that's going to be like, wow, that is like anti-science. That is that is the unprovable stuff. That is the stuff where the scientific method it just it, it, there's nowhere to use it. Um however, there are there are parts of philosophy that are are extremely important in science. And the first one that came to mind was ethics. You know, there, I mean, there are now now, uh, scientific ethicists, you know, where it's, it's a full discipline, because there are things you can do in science. Now, the argument is, should you do them? Um, and there have been times and things that were done that, that probably shouldn't have been done. Or there are times when things should have been done, um, and there was a, a lack of will, there was a lack of drive to do it, because there was no scientific pressure to do it. But if there was ethical pressure to do something, then it would move forward. So you, you don't want to leave ethics out. And I, I think, you know, for the most part, you don't, you probably don't want to leave them out. Um, I mean, there are cases, obviously, where ethics could get in the way. And like I think about, um, there was a situation where somebody had got a hold of CRISPR and thought, we can edit out the genes for this this couple that would lead could lead to um, their child having asthma. And, and that experiment actually got done. And you know, there was actually a genetically modified baby as a result. And you look at that and go, well, that's about as innocuous as it could be, But it does open up questions, and there are questions that ought to be asked because is there a line? Well, the, well, first off, we need to know, is there a line? And second of all, then we need to know, well if there is a line, where is that line? So, you know, ethics do matter in in science. And you might think, well, I just do basic research. I don't think that's gonna touch me, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's surprising how often it does matter, how often it will show up. I and mean, the issue is, you know, how far in advance will we think about it? We think, well, maybe there's nothing wrong with this particular science, but if it's only application, is for something that we don't want to touch, you know? <laughs> well, you know, that that's something to think about. And then the final area I, I want to mention, I kind of mentioned this before, but religion. You think, Well, religion and science, they don't have anything to do with each other, or even they're even at odds in some cases, you know, some people have made it at odds. But that's, the fact is, is that religion and science have a long storied history together. And they have driven each other.
1: Well, they're both about the same
2: thing. <laughs> exactly. What
1: the hell is this all about? And What's how does that? it work?
2: <laughs> and, and two, you know, one answers questions that others, the other can not answer. You know, people look at, at, at holy books. Well, they're not science books. They're not meant to be science books and they're full of stories and allegories and and some people have sometimes taken issue with that. Well, the, this this allegory isn't scientifically accurate. Well, it's an allegory. Cut it some slack.
1: (laughs) You look at what those things are, and it's people's attempt, and whether you think they are valid attempts or not, people's attempts through the ages to um, capture something about what the hell this is. (laughs) Right.
2: And they have the limitations of the times, too. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So when you didn't have a telescope and you'd never been to outer space, there's certain things you can't see. But, you know, the other side of it is, is religion is about wonder and awe. And that wonder and awe, has, that is how science came to be. People were looking for a way to answer that. And science was born.
1: Oh, I, I, it's funny because a lot of scientists that I know use the, the, what we know about science to squash the wonder and awe. And oh, whether you right. believe... Whether you believe in in you know uh, as you know a, a higher being or or however you want to talk about it, the fact is that this is weird. You know, <laughs> I mean, this whole thing it's like why why how did this happen? You know, sure. and and why is it here? And even if you know yeah. you go with the the extreme kind of uh you know a thousand monkeys with a typewriter would eventually create uh you know whatever the works of Shakespeare or whatever it is even if you go with that it's still pretty remarkable that Mm -hmm. you know that um how the the series of chance events that led to that you know so you can still be in awe at that
2: yeah and by the way uh all you scientists out there uh there's a good experiment go get your thousand monkeys let's see if you can do that (laughs) <laughs> oh, you need a billion years or a few billion years or whatever. But
1: <laughs> I don't know how, he's, how he frames it, but Dawkins does it like that, doesn't he? But um, the yeah, I, I think that the lesson you can take from it is to just have a bit, it's a bit like the opening up and have an imagination. It's like, be amazed. Look, at you're watching cell division happening in a microscope. Be amazed at the, what what, that is amazing. That is mind-blowing. And if you minimize how mind-blowing that is, you're missing out
2: exactly so so all all this being said look at all these areas that could be instructive to how science can be done and and I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list you may have other things I, I'm just a few other things came to mind like like sports or um or television you know the internet you know what what other what other things are out there that have figured some th- that, where they figured some things out and we could take those lessons and apply that in the lab and apply that in, in scientific research and uh, in in the scientific community. There's lots and lots of opportunities. So don't cut yourself off. Don't, don't get all proud that, well, my area of life is the one that is most important and most matters and is most effective and efficient. Because, you know, probably there are other areas of life that have a few bright spots so so bring them in that is a very useful
1: perspective on perspectives <laughs> okay you thank you ken so How um do? just to the the are you going to include the book the
2: oh i'll include a couple of books i'll yeah i'll include the martian and and hail mary there well, the
1: martian book. is an incredible book yeah. i'm going I'm, i haven't read hail mary so i'm going to do that so that's why i was asking we would put it in so that i can get it yeah right so <laughs> um so you you will find references to those or links out to those books um that ken mentioned in the on the uh, our website sizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist this being episode 52 yes 52 um and uh you you, so those will be in the show notes the same place you can in that same place you can find all of the previous episodes including one to nine episodes one to nine the famous foundational principles from mr miyagi himself and uh especially four to six we talked about those today yeah we and four to six we talked about today when we talked about the blue orange things which is that ah that's an incredible um it's, it's just a lens on the world, but it's a really useful one. Um, anyway, so I would recommend you go back and, and take a look at those if you, or have a listen to those if you haven't already. And you can also join us at face, facebook.com forward slash the Happy Scientist Club, uh, all one word, and ask us questions, say hello, and uh, get additional content in there. We'd love to see you in there. So thank you, Ken, for um, another uh, another great episode. and thank you to all uh, thank you to you for listening in and we hope to see you on the next episode of The Happy Scientist bye-bye
0: The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio your mentor in the lab Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.